Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. Uh, my name's Dan Hart from Twickenham CC. Um, very much look, uh, looking forward to chatting to two long-standing veterans, maybe, uh, of, of senior cricket here in Middlesex. I'm not sure they'd like to be called veterans, but I, I mean it as a term of endearment, um, uh, as well as, of course, my normal partner in crime here, Sal Ali from North London. Sal, how are you? You good? I'm, I'm good, Dan. I'm, I'm excited, actually. My Twitter feed this week, and instead of oh, right, Arsenal fans, was full of cricket clubs with their scorecards and pictures, so you can know me being a right badger. I'm, I'm so excited at the minute, honestly. Can't contain myself. You are in your natural element, Sal, aren't you? I am, indeed. Good man. I'm looking forward because, of course, North London and Twickenham cross swords next uh, next weekend in a series of friendlies. So, uh, intrigued to see how, how that goes there. Um, all good. Alongside Sal and myself, um, very pleased to welcome Johan de Silva from Highgate. Hi, Johan. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. Good, Sal. Good, Anke. Good, good. Have you wintered well? Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been an interesting winter. Obviously, haven't been able to get as much practice done as we might have done in other seasons, but. Wheeled away where we can and uh, pleased that we're back outside and, and raring to go for the season ahead. Fantastic, fantastic. And our fourth and final um, participant this evening uh, from Kenton. Um, Kenton's chairman, if I've got this right, Ankit. Ankit Shah. Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, excited to be here. Good man. And now, start off at 10 then, Ankit. How long have you been involved with, with Kenton? Talk us through that one. And how long have you been chairman? Yeah, so I joined Kenton at the age of six. So, uh, yeah, just over 27 years ago, my parents found the club, um, chucked me in there because I was, I was as mad about cricket as 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 anyone could be at that age. And, um, yeah, I've uh, been there ever since and then played from under 11s all the way through to the first team. And uh, about five, six years ago, um, took over as chairman. So uh, apart from one season, the last six years, I've been I've been the chairman. So I took over as chairman at the age of 27, which is pretty young. So, um but yeah, loving it, enjoying it. So, and you're still playing? Yeah, when I can, I've got two young boys now, so my weekends are, uh, are taken up with, with them, obviously. But um, I do try and make an appearance every now and then. Um, I'm probably more used to the boys off the field doing some of the administrative stuff rather than being on the field. But uh, yeah, it's keen to get out there this season. I didn't get to play much, obviously, last season. Um, but yeah, raring to go for the season ahead. Good man, I hear you totally with two young boys. It is a challenge and cricket doesn't always fit completely well with it on the field. But off the field, you know, it, it's often the time when I think when people like like myself and like you, I guess, we, we do sort of go upstairs a bit and help a bit more with the, yeah. the, 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 the key admin that goes on. Great stuff. Now, Johan, you're heavily involved in Highgate's admin as well. What are your, what are your official roles there? So my official title has sort of morphed into director of cricket. Um, we sort of started in the... I like that. Uh, very posh. Not that, not that posh really in reality. Um, but I, I started at Highgate sort of when I was 16, I think it was, so 2010. Um, I was at Wilfsack before that, and that was where our threes and fours and fives played. So there was a link sort of coming from Wilfsack to Highgate to play a bit more cricket, uh, and then got more and more involved, played more senior cricket when I was 16, 17, 18, and then got lured into an off-field role by Simon Battersby when I was 19 to do fixtures. Sort of took a bit more on fixtures, then a bit of higher outs, then a bit of membership. And in the same way that it goes for a lot of people who help out off the pitch, one thing turned into another, started doing a bit of coaching. And then that's sort of turned from something that was, you know, my hobby in my spare time to actually something that I can do nine to five, which is which is really fantastic and obviously helps helps the club and helps us grow. Fantastic. Yeah, that's superb. And, and, and every club needs committed um, committed citizens like your good selves because clubs don't run themselves as we all know and as I'm sure many people listening know as well so you know hats off to you guys and to everybody else who makes uh, you know makes their clubs work behind the scenes um, now we haven't a great deal of cricket to talk about uh, recently obviously we, we certainly haven't had any cricket in, in Middlesex it's been the winter and there's been there's been a fair amount of international cricket but um, but we, we you know we haven't got a great deal to get our teeth into but some of the countries already started with league cricket guys now, certainly where, where I'm from, up in Birmingham, the, the, the first round of fixtures took place uh, yesterday. We're recording on Sunday evening. Um, and when I speak to, to the guys at home, they, they're always a little bit baffled that we, we start in, in early May. Now, I always sort of say, well, you know, I mean, we, we play in the nicest part of the year. You know, we don't have mid-April league fixtures. Um, and then, of course, they point to me, you point out that it was 15 degrees in Shropshire yesterday. And it was very nice. Thank you very much. So I was just going to throw this out there. It made me think. Sal, do you want to kick off on this one? 22-game season. Is there a case for it? Or, or are you perfectly happy with what we've got with 18 games? Good question, actually. I know there's or, no league. Or no feelings either way. I mean, 
I know I'm quite interested because I'm the East Anglian, East Anglian Premier League as well. They started yesterday as well, but I think they have more sides in the in the division, so they have more games to play. So hence they start earlier. Uh, I think I, I think our format works pretty well. I mean, I know this year, due to COVID, obviously a lot of clubs have started pre-season earlier than normal. I know we did as a club, North London, and yesterday I know Highgate were playing and Crouchham were playing. So it's good to see games being played earlier on and players getting ready and prepped up. But I think I think May's a good time to start because if also if you I mean, as you have now. We've got guys playing football as well. Sometimes season extends into sort of like end of April time. So you've got guys playing both sports. Gives that sort of time to have to cross over. Um, yeah, I think I think it may work really well. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of stuff. Yeah, Johan, yeah, any thoughts on this one? The 22 game season, anything you've... Have you experienced that elsewhere maybe? Or, or is that all alien to you? I haven't seen it elsewhere. Um, but, you know, as a club, we've tried to start games around this weekend for the last couple of years. I think it you know definitely makes sense. I think a lot of people are keen to play cricket, probably more so than they have been in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think the demand is there. I think you've just got that issue of trying to balance and making sure that people are as strong as they would be. Um, so I think you know we were at Harris St Mary's yesterday. Um, we gave a creditable account of ourselves. Whether we were you know at league competitive level, I think is debatable. I think Harris St Mary's would probably say not. We'd probably say we did our best. Um, but I think you know definitely. If there's more clubs in the Middlesex County League and there's more people who want to play cricket, it might be a way. It might be a way to go to sort of thin out our leagues and rather than having seven, we have six, and we start a little bit earlier and we get more people involved in a 22-week season. It's all going to even out, isn't it? But you know, some the leagues up north have breaks and things like that, so there's all sorts of ways that we can cut and cut and slice it with bank holidays and things like that, with the world being a little bit more flexible now than it has been in previous years, I suppose. Certainly, Birmingham they have two two league games on bank holidays, and we always used to say the second one, the August bank holiday. You know, you, 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 that that's one of the games where you look who you're playing because you you might find yourself playing weaker opposition because it's just so hard to get to get people to you know to negotiate with their other halves to be able to play Saturday and a bank holiday. And get any thoughts on this? If you, I guess you've probably not experienced twenty two game cricket in the in, in the flesh there. But... No. No, I haven't. I mean, at university we start at university cricket used to start a little bit earlier. Um, but I think the weather comes into it as well. I mean, we saw snow <laughs> across much of the country last week. So to to kind of bank on a, a steady April is is pretty. You'd be you'd be a brave man to bet on that. So I think I'm fairly comfortable with the way things are at the moment. And if anything, you may want to tag it on to the end of the season because the weather seems to be better in September, October time. Um, but yeah, I think on the, on the availability side, it's an interesting one because we we don't struggle to get the teams out in the league, but. If we started a bit early, I think we may struggle to get a full complement of league sides out. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see if that comes about. But as the way things stand, I'm, I think I think things are pretty good in Middlesex. Yeah. I've not heard anybody make the case. And to be honest, I'm not even making the case. But it just it's just so normal in some parts of the country to play 22 games. It, it occurred to me that, that, you know, that there are pluses and minuses to all of these things. Enough about life beyond our borders. Um, 2020 folks um strange season obviously only nine games um but certainly sal and i are in the position where we we, we look upon it as nine games won in the sense of there was a time when i thought we weren't going to get any how, how did it go for for, for kenton and kit you you were sort of mid-table in division four right or division three sorry and um was that what you yeah. expected or, or yeah. was it a strange off season um it was a it was a strange season i mean first of all our season started off really badly because we lost one of our the key members of our club due to covid so the club was quite shocked to start off with. So he was a former first eleven player, a second eleven captain, and our second eleven keeper for the last two or three seasons. So season and started off pretty, yeah. He's only forty three, yeah. So a relatively young guy, one of the most talented players that we've ever seen at Kenton, and anyone who played against him would 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 only say good things about him. So, I mean, we were in a bit of shock to go into this season, but coming off the back of twenty nineteen, where we finished second in the championship on one hundred and fifty one points. We had high expectations, so not many seasons you'd go get 150 odd points and not get promoted. So we had high expectations, but things didn't, I guess, pan out. Um, some good performances mixed in there with some kind of indifferent performances as well. But uh, I think mid-table was about fair. We didn't deserve to probably win it because we didn't play consistent enough cricket over the nine. But we did give the opportunity to some 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 guys from the second and the third who, who performed really well and trained well to have a go at first team cricket because it was a bit of a safe environment to blood some of those youngsters in. So we took this opportunity, but we're we're going into this season full well, kind of going for the promotion, going for the win. But yeah, 2020 wasn't the best season, but I think with with less writing on it as such, um, we took it as an opportunity to to develop and kind of grow that first level pool of players. Can I, can I ask Ankit? 
what's the sort of intensity in games like when you played? Was it was it you know as a normal season? Was some sides just playing? The intensity was there for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean you've got I guess some some local rivalries with with some clubs that are in around the area, but there's in in that league I kind of reckon it to the championship in football where you've got kind of any team on its day can be anyone, yeah. and it's just about who can be the most consistent over that longest period of time. So. To be fair, we probably weren't consistent. Whereas the season before, we were we were really consistent, did really really well. It's just it's probably a freak, uh, freak a freak here that he scored so many points and, and don't get promoted. So yeah, I think the intensity is there, and, and a lot of the clubs that have come up from even from the the old second division of the championship and now into division four, they come up in being really competitive. They recruit well, they've got good infrastructure, and they tend to have a real bond. A lot of these teams have have gone through the ranks together, so the competition's there because they're playing with their mates and they're playing with families and things like that. So the competition's always there and everyone's eager to win. Um, It's a bit more, I guess, street cricket at times. There's a bit more kind of you play to win and you play and, yeah, uh, it's a really competitive environment, to be fair. I think, and as you've seen, any team that gets promoted from the championship tends to do quite well with division above and there's almost kind of a double promotion for a lot of these sides. So I think the competition there and and the kind of that desire to win has, has always been there. I think there's something in that as well. I remember the days when we were in the Championship and, and it was a really odd league in some ways. I don't mean that in a bad way either yeah. because teams could be really strong and yet perhaps couldn't go up for some reason. Austerly were in this position for quite a long time. So I think, I think it's a league that's a bit misunderstood, really. And, and now that it's formally a part of the MCCL, I'm looking to see what... I'd be fascinated to see what it's going to be like in five years' time. Which teams are going to be in Division 3 yeah. I mean, and we saw which that, teams are not. We saw that with... We saw that Tower Hamlets in their cup run last year as well. Um, yeah. They, they they did quite well and they they just played the cricket they play in that they get they play aggressive and they play they play hard and it came off and they they had a good cup run last year so it'll be it'll be interesting in the cup competitions this year to see how some of these clubs have had another year of experience playing at slightly higher standard now um, on how they'll fare. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, how about you guys, Johan? How was Highgate's year? You were you were sort of mid table as well, weren't you in, in Division One and um, had moments when you sort of thought about getting towards the top and then had a few games where th- th- things didn't go so well. Um, but, you know, is that sort of what you're expecting moving forward? But no, before, we actually, before we go on that one, so the 2020 season went to plan or not? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it went pretty well. Um, I think it was, you know, we're, we're trying to grow our sides out. So, you know, we've, we've been a club that have had four or five teams in the past. And in 2020, we managed to broaden that out to six levens, which I think is, you know, fantastic to turn out that many people on a Saturday um, consistently. And bodes well. On bonkers, of of... I would say, Johan. You know, I would say fair play to you. I take my hat off. Bonkers. I'm aiming for seven in 2021 if we can. That would be that would be ideal if, if we can, with a view to trying to broaden it out in 2022. But the demand seems to be there, and I think the key point there is just trying to integrate our juniors into what we do, which will be the same at you know all the clubs that you guys are involved with. And you know, Kenton have been doing a lot of fantastic work on their juniors over the last couple of years, which Ankit will be close to. Um, so I think in, in 2020, it's just been a case of getting teams out on the pitch, trying to be competitive, using it as a year of fact-finding. And I think we've proved that, you know, we are a competitive side on our day in Division in Division 1, as it's now called. I think it's very similar to Ankit's strategy about the Championship a little bit earlier on. Everyone can beat everyone. Um, the top three teams in that division, I think, are very solid sides. I'd say Harris St. Mary's, Acton, Stanmore are probably the three teams to look at in, in 2021. And they're probably the three who are going to be thinking, look, we've got an eye on the Premier League and going up. So I think it's going to be harder to go to those teams, and when those teams come to us, we're going to have to play very well to win. But you know, we've got a we've got a unique ground in terms of its dimensions and how to play there, and our batsmen and bowlers are familiar with defending that. As Sal knows all too well, being very local. Um, so it's really just trying to find a formula that works for us. You know, balancing that sort of trying to keep ourselves steady in Div One with a long term aspiration, I suppose, of perhaps looking upwards towards the Premier League, but trying to blend that with the sort of North Mid approach of bringing our juniors on and bringing those homegrown players through who are actually going to lead to long-term success in the Premier League rather than, as you know, our last foray into the Premier League, which was unfortunately a little bit brief. Well, being there, done that. You know, going up to the Premier League and going straight back down is, is, is absolutely no disgrace. It's a, it's a really hard place to, yeah. to play your cricket. It's what you also make me think there, Johan, about success, right? Because I remember a, a real stalwart from your club, Andy Newton, Nudger, and I remember yeah. talking to him probably 12 years ago about what success would mean for Highgate and Twickenham. And we both said, if we, if we were, if, if all of our three sides, and we're thinking about the top three in the club, were in the middle of what is Division One, we'd be over the moon. And, yeah. you know, that's where you are. And so, I mean, I, yeah. I, and I think, you know, it needs to be remembered that that's a great place to be in a way, you know, because it means, you, 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 you know, you've solidified your position right in the core of, of a league that 15 years ago you weren't part of. So I, I think Highgate have done a fantastic job there of, of stabilising themselves at a, 
at a good level of cricket. So every respect to that one. Sal, did you want to come in there? Yeah, I just want to add actually to that. I mean, obviously being North London man, we have our friendly rivalry with Highgate on a regular basis, being divided by a boundary rope. Um, but no, I think Johan's played a huge part at Highgate. I mean, the, the cult structure you see now, you go there on, on a Sunday and it's just full of young children playing cricket, really keen and enthusiastic. And I think Johan's played a huge part behind that. I know he's got other hats as well within youth cricket as well. So it's not just at Highgate where he's made an influence, but you know, everyone needs someone like Johan driving. That's part of the club. And I think, you know, he doesn't get enough credit personally. I mean, as I said, being North London man, I'll probably get loads of grief when I go back to the clubhouse. But um, yeah, no, he, the part he played in, in promoting youth cricket, getting kids playing, and like you said, you know, for the future of their club, they need to have these kids coming through. They want to, you know, put out six, seven sides in the future and also be competitive and have some, I think it's what's important as well is having an identity within your club. So having kids who've come through the club and are true members from the start and they can sort of, you know, understand what the club's about rather than, you know, the players who may move to the area, live there for two years and move on again. We all have, we all have that, don't we, in our clubs, but we also, we want, we want a, the core of the club to be the guys who've been there from an early age um, and, and continue to the adult ranks. And I think Johan, with what he's doing with the Colts, is creating that. So fair play to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and as you say, to, to, to think about running seven sides, I do think you're, you're bonkers, but also, think I'm, I'm, you know, with a lot of admiration for, for, for the organisation that that must take and, you know, every respect. Yeah, so I just want to ask you, and I mean, Anke can also maybe mention as well, I mean, in terms of, obviously there are no winter nets this year because that's what we curtailed, but in terms of pre-season, have you found available to be more, sort of like, are players more keen to play? I mean, we put out four sides in the front and played into club matches. Um, so have we, have we found you know players are knocking on the door saying or you know emailing saying we want to get games in before the season starts and also in terms of your pre-season fixtures did you is it one a case of you know whoever's available to players will play or are you looking further ahead down the line and thinking okay we want to be match ready so we're going to play tough opposition I'm going to give an example Crouch and I know played um, Bexley and Chelmsford in the last two days who are two Premier League clubs from Essex and Kent so that's 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 good prep for them you know they're, they're playing against two good sides. Is that been your thinking as well in terms of the future? Or is it like, you know, the old days, uh, you've got your traditional fixtures in place and you sort of keep them? I think for us, it's a bit of a blend of both. I think that there's been more demand to play. I think the new member inquiries that we've seen over the last couple of weeks have definitely been there. I think a lot of people, as they get out of lockdown, are thinking, right, you know, I might have played cricket four or five years ago. I'm thinking about getting back into it. Why don't I do that? I think you see that influence the more social teams in our club. So more like the five, six of Sunday teams, all that kind of stuff. As for the sort of pre-season elements to what we've done, I mean, we've, we've kept the calendar that we had last last year with a few changes. So, I mean, we had Harris St Mary's yesterday, which I think is a good measure of where we are. It's a team that are in our league. You know, we just hope that we're not playing in week one of a league season because obviously then it starts to become a little bit more of a pointless fixture. But usually we tend to get drawn against them later in the league. Um, then we have Barnes next week. So one's at home, two's away. And then we have North London, so local derby, which I think, you know, with North London, we're looking to play six sides across the two clubs because we know that there's that demand of, of you know, from players in terms of wanting to play cricket. So I think the demand is there. It's just about trying to turn out those strong sides. I think yesterday we weren't as strong as we would be, but I'd expect in the two weeks up to the league season, as an aspirational club that we are, I think that most people should be making themselves available. And I'd like to see strong availability, you know, over the next couple of weeks and hopefully some good results on the pitch. And I think, you know, last year, you know, with all the love in the world, we're probably a bit smarting on the fact that we got rolled for 100 against North London, six for, for Mr. Isit and a couple for Will Jones. So I think the guys should be wanting to uh, avenge that. that. I guarantee you, it never have crossed his lips, that. that, 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 that was, yeah, there's no way that wasn't going to come up, surely. <laughs> I'm interested with the strategy, though, because we, we don't really have a strategy at Twickenham in terms of pre-season. Perhaps we should. We, we, we tend to go to Acton because it's a long-standing game and we must have done it. So I've been here for 20 years and we've done it every year. And after that, it's it sort of really, it depends on the season. I mean, North London, we knew they had a, a, a fixture free, so we, we got in touch. But I'm impressed that you have a strategy. <laughs> Perhaps we should have one too. Um, how about you, Ankit? What, what's it been like at Kenton? What, have you wintered at all? I guess not, no? No, we haven't wintered at all. So, yeah, same as everyone else. But um, the demand to get back out there and, and get back into the nets and, and get, get everyone together has been there. So we've had big turnout for all of our training sessions and probably more people saying, can we turn up this day and if, um, on, on the other days as well? So yeah, demand has definitely been there. So pre-season has been good. The boys have trained well in terms of how we kind of allocate fixtures. We've got some standing fixtures, but we also like to kind of, I guess, test ourselves and see where we're at against some, some other opposition. So uh, our fixture yesterday, so the ones, twos and threes all played Harrow who are in the division above us. Um, 
and we've got next week playing Wembley. I mean, uh, yesterday our ones beat Harrow ones, which was great for us, and it's, it's, it's a fairly good win, even though we probably, I think, we were, we're still about four or five players short in the ones, and um, twos and threes, I think, were probably not the best performances, but I mean, the appetite is there. We're, we're looking to test ourselves against the boys in, in the higher leagues to, to see where we are and take that confidence through to hopefully to start the season. Um, yeah, we, we've given the opportunity this year to identify some players from the twos and threes that had had a bit of a run last year to see where, how they stand as well in the first team, because um, it's always good to see who those youngsters are to say, right, how, how are you going to hack? How are you going to hack it at a high level? How do you handle the pressure? Are you going to be as fearless as you have been in junior cricket and, and other divisions and other leagues um, in, in a one? So yeah, we've identified a few players, given them opportunity. So that's the way we're going about it. I guess the great thing about friendlies is you play a bit more freedom and, and people get to express themselves. So hopefully um, next few games go as well as, as yesterday's first team game did, and, and we take the momentum into the new, into the start of the season. It's never a bad thing to be winning, is it? It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really I mean, matter yeah. who you're playing. If you've won, it, you know, the vibe of winning a game in any sport has got to be good. And, and, and we're, we're sort of, you know, we got well beaten at Acton yesterday and we're very much in, oh, yeah, we had players missing camp. But I wouldn't mind winning as well. You know, losing yeah. all your pre-season friendlies doesn't fill me with, with, with glee either. Um, can I check something else for you guys? You can't be tricking them. The only cl- we're not the only club in the world, right, where deep in the middle of lockdown, I was having members emailing me about when indoor nets were. Right, and I'm like, have you sort of got any inkling about what's going on at the moment, folks? I'm not allowed to leave my front door. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, right, OK, so there's no nets then. Nah, nah, there's not. No. Is this just some, you know, fringe Twickenham members? Or, or did any of you guys get this? You didn't, did you? No, to be fair, no, we haven't. Um, <laughs> we've had people asking where you can get outdoors and stuff, but uh, no requests for indoor. We're pretty clear with all of our players that there's no indoor cricket and no indoor training. We had two. They, to be fair, they, they were they were slightly fringe individuals, but we I had two who emailed me about it. It was like, are you serious, guys? Sure, you dealt with them, you know, very nicely and reassured them that the summer was coming. They're going to be out there scoring runs, taking wickets for Twickenham. I tried to sort it. of remain reasonably diplomatic, you know, and yeah, but I, I did yeah. sort of say, you know, um, have a look outside the front door, you know, see what's going on because probably won't be any indoor nets. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. yeah. Sal, back to you. Johan, do you want to ask you about your, your time in the Premier League as a club itself? Obviously, I think it's three seasons about now. You were using the Holy Grail of getting to the Prem. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was it was a tough season for you guys, but obviously fantastic that you got there in the first place, which is a fantastic, mm-hmm. great achievement for, for your club. Um, and what, what did you sort of learn from experience as a club itself? And if you got there again, what would you do differently? I think it probably mirrors some of the, the earlier remarks I've made in terms of the sort of long-term strategy of the club and how we go about that. So I think, you know, if I'm if I'm being perfectly candid and perfectly honest, I think maybe in 2018 it might have been a season too early for us. I think we had a fantastic run in that in Division Two in 2017. We had some great players in the side. I mean, those of you who are Badgers and look at the league averages will see that we had it. You know, we had Scott Elstone play for us that year. He scored an awful lot of runs, and for me, playing nine nine games in that division, he was one of the best batters I've seen walk out in Division Two cricket. You knew that when he walked out, and you were maybe let's say 50 for two, however well the top order set up the game, he was capable of finishing that game. And that was because he, he had played that level above. And, you know, I think not having him in the Premier League made a big difference for us. Um, I think that actually had we had him, I think there might have been a couple of games that he might have pulled out the bag, where actually I think we were maybe a bit more reliant on the other individuals in the team. So I think that experience probably proved to us that, you know, it's about shoring up a side that has enough players capable of playing at Premier League level not just maybe four or five because the top teams at Premier League level have probably eight nine ten eleven players who are capable of playing at a level might get lucky with the guys that they're getting from the county who are regularly available especially if they have links with the club and things like that there were a couple of things that came out I think our fielding let us down talking to a lot of the umpires around the league they saw us a lot Highgate tended to drop more catches maybe than other teams and that's something that we've taken back into our training and how we focus and how we prepare but I think you know the key thing for us you know at the moment is trying to sort of shore ourselves up in Division 2 and then think about, right, can we get ourselves established in the mid-table of Division Division 2, sorry, Division 1? Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a bad place to be, as Dan mentioned earlier. So once we've done that, right, how do we think about having a crack about that going to the Premier League and actually can we integrate some of our better juniors in that? And I think realistically, if it happens earlier, brilliant. Everyone's, you know, everyone's going to be very happy down at Highgate. But, you know, I think realistically that's probably going to come in the sort of medium term, so in three to five years, it's not necessarily something that we might be 
planning for all this year. If it happens earlier, again, we've just got to think about how we recruit, but picking up first-team players and things like that can be easier said than done because it relies on a lot of personal connections, people moving to London and things like that, which I'm sure you know is the same at all, all clubs around the league. Well, you need a bit of luck there as well. You need people to just turn up on your doorstep. And yeah. um, if they do, great. And, and it's hard to manufacture if, if, if they don't. Yeah, you know, that's... I, mean, I, was going to, I was interested as well what you said there because we, we sort of came to the conclusion quite quickly we were going to get hammered in a few games. We were really going to, you know, there's some games we, we, we were just not going to be able to compete. But there was going to be yeah. five or six games that in that first season we were in the Premier League where if we're going to stay up, it's those games. We've got to yeah. get points when we've got a chance to get points because it may well be we turn up and play Ealing and we, we just... Which were just not not good enough, um, but if the chance comes along, you've got to take it because you don't get as many uh, as you would do lower down the spectrum. And I suppose that that's true for all sports, really. Yeah, I think that I think it goes around to sort of how you strategize your games and things like that. You know, certainly with a bit more of a sort of professional hat on, when you're trying to think about how we do our themes, you've got to look at you know what games do we think we can win, whether it's in Division One, Division Two, Prem, whatever division it is. You've got to go, you know, what's our side made for? Where are we good? Are we good at home? Are we good away? How does that work? And actually, what games do we need to target and make sure these are the teams that we think are going to be around us, honestly, you know, which involves some honest conversations about other teams in the league's cricketing ability and where they're going to be, mid-table, low-table, wherever they're going to be, and go, right, we need to make sure that we have this availability for there. And it's putting the onus on the captains and the players to say, look, guys, if we want to finish mid-table, we're going to pinpoint let's say these eight games, we're going to try and get 60 points out of 80. We're going to try and win six, especially if they're overs games. And maybe we come on to the overs time debate. Um, but, you know, it's sort of trying to think about that and think, right, how do we do it? And, you know, certainly you know, we were lucky a couple of years ago where we had great availability all season. We managed to go a season unbeaten. But that's completely, that's a complete fluke. It's not going to happen. You know, that's never going to happen again. I wouldn't have thought. I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. But, you, you know, like the great Arsenal teams of, of whatever it was nearly 20 years ago, Before. I speak with Arsenal fans on the call. You know, it's not a fluke that Arsenal go unbeaten, but you probably didn't expect it at the beginning, right? Certainly not. Certainly not. No, I think that maybe maybe a fluke's a little bit harsh, as you say. Um, but I think actually at the beginning of the season, if you said we're going to go 18 games and we're not going to lose one, I think you'd be going, you know, that's going to be a good effort. Cool. Um, Anka, I was going to ask, ask you, you mean, you, you've experienced something that we talked about quite a bit on this pod, and that's the fact that the Middlesex County League has now got a lot bigger and there's um, a um, you know, significant number of extra division, divisions in the league now. Um, and they're all on, on the website for those who are not, not aware. You can see all of the results, all of the teams on the County League website. Paul Smith does an excellent job of keeping that up to date. Um, what's your experience of the merger, Anka? Or is it no experience at all? I guess cricket just carries on as normal on a Saturday afternoon. Or, or have there been any, any, is there anything about this that you think has been particularly successful yeah. or even unsuccessful? So I think... From a playing perspective, it's been seamless in terms of you turn up, you play cricket, the first team, second team, whoever has it. To be honest, it's only been the first team uh, that I've experienced a championship has been quite seamless. I mean, the, the structures, the championship mimic the, the limited overs time split of the league structure. Um, so actually adapting to the new playing regs or if there were any was, was pretty, that, that transition was pretty smooth. I think where we've noticed the biggest difference is probably off the field in terms of administration. There was one point when the 1987 league was also in existence that uh, we had the first team in the championship, the second team in, in Div 2 of the county league and then the third and fourth team in the 87 league. So we're actually dealing with three different leagues and the kind of the yeah. administrative there was, it was a bit of a nightmare because kind of the ball collection, the, the, the fees and all that kind of stuff that comes along with it was a bit of a nightmare. No which AGM to turn up to, who's going to what, and with a small committee at that point was, was really difficult. So actually having everything under one under, under one roof has made life a lot easier for us as a club to do all the administra administra administrative stuff. Um, I think, yeah, but on the field, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty seamless. Um, it's been, it, I definitely think the standard of the championships got better as well. Some of the clubs that are in there now have has got better as well. So the playing standard's gone up and actually what you'll see is probably division well the new division two and division three that we are we are now in there's probably a big pool of teams of very similar capability and i would back a lot of the teams in this division three to be a lot of teams in, in the higher leagues on their day because there's so much capability that the capability there and the kind of that will to win is there so it's an interesting one um and now with the the, the way the league is structured with two teams going up i think that competition is going to get even more fierce um so yeah really looking forward to it but on the whole the transition has been yeah pretty good yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's the, what, what it looks like to, sort of to us, to, or to me, as an outsider looking in. And I certainly think the two up, two down will, will bring, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but a bit, a bit more normality to it. 
because it will just feel like you know a place where if you're in Division Three, you can go up to Division Two or you can go to Division Four, as opposed to yeah. like you know some of the other concerns that traditionally uh, complicated life uh, um, in the Championship. Now that reminds me of one one thing. I was going to ask you two guys. Now it's, I've been thinking about this for a while, to be honest, and it's, it's more a stroke of luck than anything that I can ask uh, Ankit from um, Kenton and, and Johan from Highgate this question. Right now, anyone remember Harry Hill, the comedian? Right. Harry Hill used to have this thing on, on his on his Sunday night shows where he'd, have, he'd ask a question and there'd be two answers to it. And you, you weren't quite sure what the answers were. So what does he do? He's fight. Now, I'm not going to ask you to have a fight. That, that, that would be somewhat un- unprofessional and untoward. And of course, we're not in person anyway, so he couldn't do it. But he used to say, like, you know, tomato or tomato. And his fight would be, you know, someone dressed up as a tomato with a UK flag, someone dressed up as a tomato with an American flag. And they'd have this silly fight. So given that, what's the smallest ground in Middlesex? Right. Because now I reckon I played a dozen times at Highgate. Possibly more, actually, Johan. And I reckon I've probably played about half a dozen times at Kenton. I, I think just the way the cards have fallen, I've not played quite so frequently there. My instinct says that Kenton has a reputation as the smallest ground. But I reckon Highgate is smaller. Fight, as Harry Hill would say. Well, what do you guys reckon? I mean, because you, you, you know your grounds way better than Sal or I do. I do you think they're about ours, the same size? Or you... I think ours people have the perception of ours being really small and to be fair there's one boundary at the tennis court side which is i think if to hit a four it's literally 40 or just over 40 yards but obviously with our house rules as such um to hit a six isn't as easy because you've got to go to hit it straight into the tennis over the tennis courts uh, over the fence or into tennis courts or over the gardens on the bottom end or along the side so actually to hit a six is probably a bit more difficult and that perception of Kenton being small, yes, to hit a four is pretty, you can literally inside edge one and it'll go for four straight away uh, or you can miss, miss time when it'll go for four. But actually to hit a six is a bit more difficult and therefore people come to the ground thinking, you know what, I can hit I can hit six all day long here. And the average score of it being about 180 to 190 is yeah. still there. So actually that perception of being small initially is there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think at Highgate, every time I've played there, it's always been runs and it's always seems a bit more of a harder deck as well. So actually maybe the boundaries seem a bit shorter as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think, think that's a fair point about the run scored quickly. Sorry, you're going quickly. I've never played in a 300 run shootout at Kenton. I mean, it's yeah. always been 220 to 180. So I think there's, there's a lot in that, what you say there. But Johan, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I'm thinking about some of, the, some of the games I played at Kenton. I think there was one game that we played, like, must have been 2012 or 13. We but we faced fifty five in the first innings and maybe got one ninety and I think we ret- because we had spinners and Kenton had loads of spinners obviously a ground that favours spin I think we returned fifty eight in the second innings like wow. you know one hundred thirteen in a day so we were probably flying through the overs and I think it was a draw so it was about one sixty played one eighty so even though the size of the boundaries you know it is small on paper um, I think yeah the runs don't sort of you know sort of match what you might expect. I think it's probably the same as true at Highgate. I think it's probably got a higher average score. It's probably more of a 220-230 ground than 45. Um, and I think you're right. I think the deck probably maybe gives a little bit more assistance to the batters. Um, and they certainly just plonk it through the line. And there's no... I think with, I think certainly with, we don't have any house rules. But at that bottom end, I think the distance isn't very different to the hitting towards the tennis courts at Kenton. Um, I think probably in what is now the county league, I think we probably are the smallest ground. I think the so only other the question though, a bit. So, so you and you are saying that you reckon that Highgate's smaller than Acton. I think Highgate's smaller than Kenton, but I think that if you chuck Ickenham into the ring, I don't think that yeah. we're as I think we're probably the same size as Ickenham. That would be my that would be my left field. I'm not answering your question, but I'm saying Ickenham is smaller than Highgate. That's what I'm doing. Of course, Ickenham no longer in the league. Yeah, I know. So in in the league, I think Highgate. An interesting point. Yeah, there you go. I think I think if you measure the boundaries, ours would probably be smaller in terms of the actual distance to the fence. But because of these house rules and the actual distance you'd need to hit to hit a six into tennis courts to the ground yeah. into the gardens, then that probably yeah sways it in the favour if we can say that to, to Highgate. Can I be clear as well? I'm not saying that more grounds are bad either. I'm not someone who thinks grounds have to be super massive. I've always had yeah. great games of cricket against against Kenton and Highgate. The ground, sorry, the grounds are relevant. What we do struggle with big time is the amount of balls we lose. So we probably yeah. go through triple, quadruple the amount of balls that any other club do. So uh, just a gentle uh, uh, favour to any club that do have some spare balls lying around, we can we could do them because the way with some of our bowlers have bowled the last few years, we end up losing about four or five games sometimes, which is not great. And um, that's probably why I try to choose a tennis court in because I don't feel it's bad if someone might get hit the tennis court. So at least I get the ball back. Yeah, always good to have a good relationship with your tennis section. Always good. <laughs> There speaks a man who knows. 
Um, I mean, if, if everyone in cricket balls have been run over by double decker buses, then then you know we're, we're, we're the club. We've got shed loads of pink, red. We've got the lot. Yeah. Any of the green spice? Is it a green spice? Uh, green spice. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had balls go through the Star Wars shop. You know where the, all the Star Wars figures were, were were sort of invented. Yeah, he's he's been visited a few times by the club secretary. To I, have to say, I have to say, my one great Kenton, I couldn't see the board one time I was playing, and I was on forty nine, and I got out court to the bloody tennis court end. Absolute shambles, fuming. It was, well, your it shot was, was an absolute shambles. I assume that's what you're saying. No. My shot would have hit it hard. Yeah, would, would I have played it if I was on forty nine? Surely I would have hit it on the ground. Excuses, Johan. Excuses. Pathetic excuses. Point taken. Uh, Salman, you, you, you can have the final word on this. What's your experience of, of Kenton and, and, and Highgate? Which is more? I always thought Kenton was. Um, only because it seems smaller in terms of width-wise. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because um, the game going on next year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. What I loved about Kenton was the fact there's two games always going on and it's obviously different abilities you obviously got your first and the second team playing on, on the main pitch and then on the next pitch to it you've got your third fourth or fifth playing so varying abilities but there's always balls flying back and forth it's always like duck heads shouts going on all the time so it's, it's, it's brilliant sometimes I'm, they've actually been hit by a ball from any of the pitches at all and kick recently from memory no but i'm guaranteed yeah i'm I, i'm I could guarantee that someone has been. Some of our members aren't the on the sharpest tools in the box, so uh, I'm sure people don't listen to adhere to the wife. What always baffles me is when we shout heads for the tennis section, and what a lot of them will do is just literally plant their tennis racket flush onto their forehead or their head. They don't realise obviously they don't give much room between the tennis racket and their and their skull. So they they tend some. We've had instances where someone's got a sore head coming out of a tennis match, but they don't. I mean, if they don't listen to the advice, not much you can do. I'm loving that. I've got his vision now. Somebody with a tennis racket, you know, thinking it's going to protect themselves against a missile from the it's, square. It's, great. it's a bit worrying at times because they, they come from a height to get into the tennis court. So um, it's, mm. it's going to hurt. Well, at least I don't think they're indoor nets during a global pandemic. Anchor. There's always that one to fall back on. Um, cool. OK, I'm glad we sorted that out. And it was just all something that occurred to me. And I, I want to stress again, I've always enjoyed playing at both grounds. It's always been great. Um, and, and so I'm not. I'm not saying at all that because that, that, they're relatively small that makes any difference to the to, to the standard affair that's that's on offer. Um, we're getting towards the end of the pod, folks, and as as regular listeners will know, we we tend to end with a a quick fire round. Before I do that, Anka, I just want to get just last question to you actually, because you have a quite an interesting day job as well. Much as you you you're heavily involved in Kenton CC, you also um, do a lot with Middlesex, right? Yeah, so I mean, not per se, not my day job per se, but um, since September October time, I've been involved with with Middlesex as part of their DNI uh, committee. So they've kicked off a, a DNI activation plan, which was launched to the media last week. So you'd see in various newspapers, um, some uh, on Wisden and Crick Info and stuff like that. But it's primarily Middlesex is being on the front foot and proactively engaging with the communities better, trying to identify new pathways to encourage cricketers from from other communities, um, other backgrounds, but also pathways in regards to not just coming through the the club structure so how do you identify talent for people that don't get to play cricket on a Saturday for a big club how else do you identify some of this talent and, and bring them through so yeah it's about it's it's a really it's a really great initiative and really honoured to be part of it and and as a result of, of being part of that committee myself and a, and a chap called Jonathan Pierre have been invited to join the board as observers so actually involved in some of the the decision making and how the county side run as a professional unit so it's absolutely fantastic but um yeah, so taking a lot of time, not just being the chairman at Kenton, but being involved in Middlesex has been fantastic. Um, it's a bit of a plug, uh, which if you don't if you don't mind, that there is yeah, a survey way. that uh, Middlesex are encouraging everyone, um, boys, girls, people from all backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, anyone that has any aspiration of just playing cricket, recreationally, professionally, whatever it may be. There's a survey on their website. So if you go into the Middlesex website and search diversity and inclusion, there's a, a survey where we want feedback from everyone and, and how things can be better, where can we make improvements, what's worked what's work, what's work well, what's worked not so well, and also people's experiences of, of diversity and inclusion issues that there may have been in cricket, not just now, but maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago as well, because we will see, I think there's a real appetite to to get better at things um, and actually be more engaging with the communities and, and really get Middlesex, not just the playing 11, but the board and the management representative of the diverse nature of people within Middlesex. If you look at it, it's probably one of the most diverse counties in the entire country, if not the most. So getting um, the, the playing 11s in the, both the men's and the women's game, as well as the, the management and the board representative, that is 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 some of the um, objectives that they've identified. So 
a great initiative really honored to be involved in it so yeah if anyone could spare five minutes to to give their feedback that would be that'd be really welcomed Super, thanks, Ankit. We'll, we'll make a point of putting the um, the link into our Twitter feed and also um, around the County League website. And, and if, if folks could fill that in, I think that, that's a really good initiative that deserves quite a lot of support. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we tend to finish our, our podcasts with a quiz, um, generally pretty silly, um, but we're always interested to hear what folks have to say. As, as I uh, may well have said before, the first answer you think of is normally the best answer, okay? Um, some of this stuff, you know, maybe border on, borderingly, sort of border on libelous, but, you know, I'm sure you'll get through it. So, so, so hit us with whatever you've got. The way Sal and I are going to do it tonight, we've got five questions that are, I guess, broadly similar, but, but we're going to sort of shape them to, 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 the, to the areas we, we want to cover with the both of you. It's mind-blowingly simple. Sal, are you going to kick off? So I do, Johan, you do Ankit? Or do you yeah, to... you kick off well, one Johan, and I'll, I'll come back with one for Ankit. Okay. Okay. So, Johan, as you may have heard in previous podcasts, me and Dan do like our food, and it does tend to come up in quite big conversations. So the first question is related around food. Um, what do you prefer? Would you prefer traditional tea with the sandwiches and, you know, cakes, etc., or... I'm trying to get free without these guys as well while I'm saying this. The amazing Thai kitchen you have at Highgate Cricket Club. Um, that's a good question. Think I... carefully, Johan. This could be very important where you go with this. Personally, I prefer a traditional tea. So I quite like the teas that, for instance, I'm going to call one out. I quite like the tea at Shepherd's Bush, for instance. That's just... Just one example in recent years, thinking about that. I think we maybe got it on a good day after a function, stuff like that. But if I didn't play at Highgate and I played one game a year at Highgate, I would definitely prefer RT because it's something that's different from everything else that you get all the other weeks of the season. So I think it's a good shout out to the Thai, the Thai kitchen that do everything at everything at Highgate. And Sal, I'll make sure you get a free meal when oh, you pop in, yeah? Just that's, the highlight, that's the highlight of my Saturdays. I'd like yeah. to go down there and grab a meal. Oh, they're amazing. Come down. Lovely little... Oh, they're very good, they are. Very good. Okay. And they Question are very good. Two. I've, not, I've not heard anybody oh. say they're not, to be fair. But I think it's a very diplomatic answer as well, Johan, if you don't mind me saying. Oh. But, um... That's a great kitchen. It's very good value as well. Prices are really, really yeah. valuable. Um, sort of value. You know, yeah. there's no sort of like trying to rip you off. Or anything. And, and, and yeah. also the quantity of food is very good as well. So yeah. win-win yeah. on my hand there. Anyway, okay. Um, okay, Johan, so um, what do you prefer, Sky Sports or TMS? Sky Sports for me. Is that a generation thing, or is it just because it's easier to sort of, you know, is it the technical knowledge available? Or, or the probably, uh, probably easy for me. I just watch more cricket on it, and I listen to TMS, if I'm honest. Um, technical analysis is good. Um, lots, of, lots of people I play with listen to TMS. And I suppose if we're out the cricket all day, the test is on, you might stick TMS on. Classic one for going in the, in the car around the A406, stick TMS on. But probably for me, if I'm sat at home, it's going to be Sky Sports. Yeah. Okay. Now this is this is Dan Tudor's question about so your own playing preferred format. Is your so would you rather play a time game or an overs game? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think these days it probably is overs. Um, I think it's quite refreshing playing an overs game with with the format that we played yesterday. Certainly being a batter, top order. I think actually taking advantage of the fielding restrictions and things like that is quite useful. Um, but I have to say, there is definitely something in sort of the art of trying to bowl a side out, setting a score, knowing when to declare and things like that. So I do like time cricket. I think possibly the way that we're going in terms of giving everyone certainty and making sure that everyone gets a game probably means that we might be heading towards the overs direction. So I'd probably say that's my preference. But I think there's definitely a place for time cricket in the league, certainly for the next couple of years, if not beyond. OK, right. so you now have to pick one of these two players I want to mention. One is a past legend, actually still playing. Um, I'm sure most, most batsmen don't like facing him. And the other one is a potential future legend. So who do you pick out of these two? Are you going to go for Steve Blyton or Billy Blyton? Oh, God. You put me on the spot here. I'm going to get absolutely three. no favours out of this household because I've got a bit between a father and a son. Um, well, what we like is, yeah, we really like lose-lose questions. Well, whichever answer you pick is going to get yeah. you in some trouble. This, this is perfect. Really. And wait for the next one. Yeah. This is this is lose lose. I mean, yeah. Personally, personally, as a wicketkeeper, I'm gonna go with Steve. I like. I've probably kept him in the in the twilight of his career. Probably sort of, you know, he's been playing cricket in the county league for 25 plus years. And you know, those 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 people who played against him know what a fantastic bowler he is. A different angle to a lot of people. Ability to control the ball, even in the last couple of years, you know, when he was still at Finchley, that nine for in probably 2015, 2016, when he was mid 40s, 
is is extremely impressive and having kept to him for, for years at Highgate now, sort of stood up to the wicket, he's extremely fun to keep against, generates lots of chances, puts the ball in the right area and to be fair, just tries his absolute socks off. Um, that's that's unfair to Billy as well, to, to say that I prefer Steve um, because Billy's definitely going to be a cricketer, he's on his way up and he's going to have a fantastic future at Highgate, playing a lot of first 11 cricket, top, you know, one of the top wicket takers in the in the county league altogether last year. But I think if I had to pick one, if you give me a very difficult question, so I'm not looking forward to the next one, I'm going to go with Steve. Okay. Well, this is the last one for you now, Johan. So this is, I think, probably the trickiest question of all. Oh, God. You, you, you... <laughs> so you're on your own and you've had some company. You can pick from me with these two people to spend the evening with. Who would it be? Dick Colley or Andy Newton? Oh, dear. Um, uh, and they're the only two you can pick. Good luck Just to be crystal clear. No yeah. one else in the game. Only two. No one else is yeah, available. Yeah, yeah, no, I do love them both, but I'd probably be picking a different answer. Um, okay, Dick Holly and Andy Newton. Dick Holly, club stalwart. Um, so actually, my second game for Highgate, second or third game for Highgate, he captained me up at Little Berkhamsted. Um, so go way back um, with Dickie. Um, Andy Newton, I see him day, day in, day out, treasurer. Putting so much work, you know, both at Highgate within the eighty-seven league, you know, championship things like that. You know, a lot of people around the leagues will know him. I think if I had to pick one, and Dickie's not going to thank me for this, I'd probably go with Nudger, um, another keeper batsman. Enjoys his slog sweeps, famous for his part-time off-spin, which I would never attempt to replicate. Um, but you know, he's a he's a club legend and a, and a true club man. Not that Dick Holly isn't. Um, so I think he's probably my my pick there. If I had to spend an evening with someone, probably spend an evening in the bar with Nudge. Fantastic. Great work, Dan. How would you do that, Dan? Fantastic. Yeah. Now, there are, there's a degree of similarity in some of these questions, Ankit, but a couple of have a slightly different twist on them to see where you go with them. Um, so, first up, um, following on from the first question that Johan got asked, if you had a choice, would you go Highgate's Thai Kitchen or Indian Jim's Curries? I would. To be fair, I've only played at Indian Jim a couple of times. Um, and I didn't remember it being spectacular, to be honest. From just maybe it's a bad experience I had there. So I'd go with the Thai kitchen at a Highgate. I think it's a, it was been a highlight the few the times I've been playing there for sure. Um, yeah, the, I agree with Sal. The portion sizes are fairly generous, and our boys like to put it away. So uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Highgate there. I don't think that's. I, I get the angle totally. I mean, you know, some clubs you just always play against them, and some clubs you, you're always on yeah. holiday that week. And Indian Gym's one. I, I really, I'm, I'm talking twenty five times. I reckon I played at Indian Gym, and um, the curries have generally been been top notch. Before we get bombarded with with Indian Gym messages here, the curries yeah. have always been fantastic. So, um, so, so I see where you're coming from, but I will defend Indian Gym's curries too. Um, they, they, Sal, you must have probably good thing I'm not playing Indian Gym this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I miss that game. Pretty decent. Makes up for the flying out all the aeroplanes that fly all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not wrong about the aeroplanes either. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they do they do sort of um, make calling between the wickets a bit hard at times. Um, cool. Number two, right? This is the same one that um, that Yoan got. Sky Sports or TMS? TMS for me. Maybe a bit oh. of nostalgia there on my side. My parents dropping me off to matches when I was younger, or. Sitting with some of the the old boys when I was playing in the fourth eleven as a thirteen fourteen year old, just TMS was always on, and yeah, still listen to it if I'm working, have it on the radio, listening on, online or whatever. So yeah, I think although this, I, I do work for Sky now, so maybe should have said Sky, but um, mm. yeah, no, I, I prefer a TMS Catch commentary. In the morning, but, uh, he's getting so yeah. <laughs> the, the analysis and, it, and the analytics that go into the Sky stuff is is pretty incredible. So, um, yeah. but yeah, if you gave me an option. On the journey around to to I don't know Edmonton on whilst we're all that part of the world or around to Twickenham on, on the yeah. motorways. So yeah, I probably have TMS on. Yeah, slightly different products, aren't they? To be fair, I find if I'm at home and I'm actually watching the cricket, then Sky Sports is absolutely brilliant. But if I'm in the office yeah. and, and can't really watch the cricket, then um then, then TMS does a fantastic job. It also depends who's commentating. I won't now. I have got all sorts of issues. I've got to get cleared up about about commentary teams. But there are certain folks I can't abide. So it depends whether they're on as to which of them I'll I'll probably yeah. Uh, I'll probably yeah. listen to or watch. That's for another podcast, though, Sal. We can go there another time. Um, cool. I'll also ask the same one that we asked Johan in terms of time or overs cricket. Which do you prefer there? Uh, time cricket for me. I think, again, playing a lot of that stuff when I was starting off my adult adult kind of men's cricket. Yeah, 
it's something about that satisfaction of, of chasing down a, a score when you've only been given 40 overs back or 45 overs back and you've been out or you're you've defended a small small total in 50 or five overs whatever it may be just some of the complexities in that bit of the the strategy and the captaincy i think there's a bit more there's a bit more responsibility a bit more satisfaction when you're winning as a captain in the time game as well but i, I fully agree with what Johan was saying in the the, uh, the limit over stuff is so important and I actually think the way that the league is structured now with with the split is spot on I think you get best of both worlds but um I mean Kenton benefited a lot from the from the overs cricket when we had Sammy uh, Sammy Hyder and 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 Chetan Vala open the bowling and literally two two left arm spinners would bowl 40 overs between them and pick up the bulk of the wickets and we benefited from quite a lot um but I agree that the limit overs gives an opportunity for a lot more players and I think it's I think it's created a lot more closer encounters in the last few years. So a bit more nail biting cricket. So the way Middles has got is spot on, but for me, yeah, time cricket for me. Yeah. Are you expecting Kenton to be better at one of those formats than the other this year? Or is it just too hard to tell? Like, I always make predictions about what we're gonna do, it's always wrong. Yeah. It's a tricky one. I think we've got quite a strong bowling attack in our first team. We we do pretty well in the time in the in the limited overs games because we've actually got five very strong bowling options. And I think we've we've yeah. benefited from that. Um, I'm not sure in, in in with that rationale, you'd expect us to do well equally well in time game. And I think we have done as well. But I think that um, I think the fact that there's a result at the end of the day in the in the limited overs has has gone in our favour more often than not. Yeah, well, is, is Highgate is Highgate traditionally better at one format than the other? I think it kind of depends on the overseas. I think in the last couple of years, we've probably been more of an overs team than a time team. But I think there's certainly been a couple of years where we've had good spin bowling overseas where we've definitely been more of a time team than an overs, overs team certainly thinking back to that um, anecdote I was telling you about Kenton back in 2013 we had Mapatuna over for a couple of years and he would he'd be a specialist that you know he'd open the bowling with yeah. seam and then he'd switch to spin similar to um, caveat you know Middlesex Tamils you know people like that who can do a bit of both I think the time format favours them but I'd say I think now we're becoming a little bit more of an oversight which means that we're a little bit more balanced and everyone gets a fair go, I guess. Agree. I think being a club that's traditionally had quite, sorry, that's, that's traditionally had quite strong spinners has worked in Kenton's favour for the for the time games. I think if you've got a strong spin attack, then um, it yeah it bodes in your favour. Makes sense. Or, yeah. And so or, or, or if you've got a balanced attack, yeah, I'd, I'd say we're more oversized because I think we've been able to have sides with five or six bowlers, but our batting seems to have let us down in the past. So having depth in our bowling has helped us bowl sides out for gettable targets if you say you know um whereas limited overs obviously you you can rely on having two or three good bowls you can bowl a chunk of overs where there's an over in, in limited over teams you need to have five or six bowls you can bowl you know regularly eight to nine overs per game so and we've been okay with that in the past so we've definitely been more of an overside sorry limited overs. i reckon yeah. twitting them very much at a time side it's not a plan but um, we've certainly had a couple of good spinners through the years who, who, who can bowl a bit more. That's that's true. I don't think that's a big secret. But I think our problems with the batting. I think our boys, when they play 45 over cricket, suddenly think they're in ODIs. And they all try and score too quickly. Um, and in all-day cricket, or, or in 100 over cricket, they just seem to bat a bit differently. And and I, I, it's definitely not a plan. But we, we find batting much harder in, in overs cricket than, than it should have been, really. And... Um, and, and that's actually gone right through the club. It's, it's not just the first team. And um, I haven't really made much sense of it. But um, there we go. That's why the game's interesting, I suppose. Cool. Next one. Now, um, you've already mentioned one of the guys I'm going to flag up here, Anki, actually. Um, two really good cricketers. If you had to go for one in your team, would it be Sammy Hyder, a brilliant left-arm spinner, or Sachin Patel? Ooh, tough one, that. That's a very good question. Um, Satch lives around the corner for me, and I still see him on a regular basis. So um, people may, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a tricky. So I think actually, Satch captained Sammy for quite a long time, and I remember that. I think yeah. Satch was Satch still has uh, such a great cricketing brain that a lot of Sammy's success, I think, came down to the fact the way Satch set up our side to be geared around him. He he was definitely our gun asset and. We, we were geared up to, to kind of make sure we got the best out of him. So I think if I ask a question, would Sammy have been as good if Satch wasn't around as captain and in the field with him? Because Satch took a hell of a lot of catches, that extra cover off him. You'd be surprised in, mm. at the amount of catches that Satch took off him. So I would have to say Satch because Satch was, he's been one of our greatest talents at Kenton. Um, yep. Absolute phenomenal bat on his day in the, 
if he rocked up next week and decided to come out of retirement, he would walk into not only our first team, but a lot of other first teams. Um, absolutely brilliant with the bat with uh, in the field and as a captain. So I'd probably have to say such and he'll thank me, hopefully, when I meet him next week. <laughs> what I will tell you about Sammy, I only I captained him once for a Middlesex website many years ago. And um, one of my one of my many bugbears is, is, is bowlers who don't know their fields. And, you know, I've played with some brilliant bowlers. And what, what field do you want? Well, I don't know, really. What do you think? Well, what do I, I'm not bowling. Yeah. You know, but Sammy says, no, this is the field. And he, he didn't care who he was bowling against, yeah. within reason. He just, no, I, I want this. I, want, yeah. I, I do not want one on the 45 on the legs. I don't want yeah. I'm not going to bowl there. And, and I said, wow, that's a breath yeah. of fresh air. He absolutely knew what he wanted. And he bowled. We, we were chasing 330 and he bowled nine overs for, I'm going to make this up, but 25. Not, you know, so, so he, he, was, yeah. he was a pleasure to captain. Um, yeah, great guy. He's, he's, um, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great character. Because as well, what I love about Sammy was I know I know most most cricketers, especially bowlers, even you know in club cricket, they can bat. Sammy, I got the impression one guy didn't give a monkey if he could bat or not. He, whenever yeah. he came out the bat, he looked totally unorganised. <laughs> totally didn't like, didn't have a clue. He's been playing the game for so many but years. He's never obviously. done it before. You know, he's kind of never done it before. That was impressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just came out to bat like, oh, I can't be asked. All that's on the bowl, and was not fast at all when he got out or anything like that. He'll definitely let you know that if he's lasting more than 10, 15 balls, he goes, if I can do it, why can't the rest of you guys do it? He's very quick to give advice. <laughs> and to be fair, he, he always did his job with the balls, so it's only fair he asked exactly. for the same, same effort from, from the batsman. Is he one of those guys who'd fight somebody? For also one of the nicest guys off the pitch. Oh, no, it's yeah. pretty much his. He didn't have to fight too hard for it because everyone else at Kent <laughs> thinks they can bat. Um, so, but yeah, he's also one of the nicest guys you meet off the pitch. When he gets past, yeah. he gets that white line fever. When he's on the other side, he's he's there to win. He's in the zone, isn't he? And I, I, I as I say, I only ever captained him once, and it was great. I, he, he was brilliant. Last question from me. We're gonna we're gonna change angles a little bit here. Um, if you had a choice, Ankit, as an Arsenal fan, David Rocastle or Dennis Bergkamp? See, I didn't get to watch much of of, of Rocky's uh, uh, when I was growing up. I think. Mr. Burkamp was my and still is my favourite player. So it's an easy one, I think. He's just he's just a magician. So it's really a long off ball. Here's me thinking I'm bowling you a nice, clever, slower yeah. ball, but it's no, nice I mean if, I think if I Yeah, no. Yeah, he's he's my favourite player of all time. Yeah. Beautiful to watch, but also managed to chuck in the elbow and and yeah. could mix it up a bit when needed to. That's probably what we miss as an Arsenal side nowadays. Holland against Argentina, 1998 World Cup quarter-final. I remember, nice bit of stamping there from Dennis. Yeah. yeah. But brilliant play. I'm going to throw this open. Because he's an Arsenal fan. Away, yeah, exactly, I think that's true. Oh, that's he got sent off the week before. Yeah. Yeah. Sal? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, agree, I agree with Ranky. I mean, much as I've loved watching Roadcastle and also just watching progress from, you know, a young guy that came into the first team, raw, lots of potential, then became, you know, England international regular first team member. And he, had a, and he also had a massive impact on Ian Wright's career because when Ian Wright yes. joined, he was a huge yeah. fan of, of Rowcastle. And you see them driving to the game together because Ian Wright couldn't drive yeah. at the time and yeah. they'd be driving down by Blackstock Road and um, you see him in the car together and huge, huge like friendship there. So I think him being there helped to Wright set as well. So yeah, on that respect, you know, great, great servant to the club and tragic loss, but Bergkamp in terms of what he gave to the game, not to just Arsenal, but the Premier League itself. And that was after having like a really sort of slow start. We didn't score something October time, maybe. Um, and everyone was like writing him off as a flop. And you know, what's he doing over here? He's going to become another player. Just come for the money. But you know, he, he turned out to be a fantastic sign. And he, and he never flew anywhere as well. So he literally missed out after European games that we were playing because he didn't want to get in an aeroplane. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he didn't fly, did he? Of course. Yeah. Johan, yeah. have you got yeah. have you got a horse in his race? Flying Dutchman that could have. Flying Dutchman. Not enough. Not enough. I go back out. All good. All good. Folks, thanks for that. Um, one or two things I just wanted to throw in at the very end, um, and, and they're, they're, they're pretty dull, but I'm afraid we've got to talk about them. And that's, of course, COVID-related restrictions for, for, the, for the forthcoming weeks. Now, I, I say that we've got to talk about them because I think they're quite confusing. And I just wanted to flag it up, really. I, I spoke to Nick Brown earlier today about, about some of these. Um, worth noting, um, for anybody who's listening, that the, the new guidance comes in on May the 17th. So we're going to have two Saturdays of the guidance as it is now, and then they're going to change. And of course, we don't know what they're going to change to. We think we've got an idea, but we don't know. So we're in a, you know, it's, it's a moving, it's a moving picture at all times. Um, 
So with that in mind, you know, if clubs haven't really looked at the guidelines yet for COVID, do have a look at them, particularly in terms of things like spectators. I don't know if you, you, you guys have any experiences with that, folks, Johan or, or Ankit, but certainly we, we play on Oxford Village Green, so we're not a private ground. So that means that people can walk around the green, they can come up to the pavilion, um, and it, it's actually really quite difficult to know what they, they can and can't do other than go into the pavilion. So, so I think every club needs to, needs to take a good look at this and make sure that they're happy with, with what they're doing. And the guidelines are out there, they're publicly available, Middlesex have distributed them, and um, they're not always clear. So if there's any doubt, then I, I would ask um, uh, one of your contacts at Middlesex to, to help clarify what you should and shouldn't be doing. I don't know if any of you guys have got any observations on that or if you had any experiences with it. Yeah, we had we we we, we had a we had a briefing with our participation officer um to make clear what the rule uh, the guidelines are and stuff around like kind of visitors and spectators where only club officials can go to kind of away games and things like that. So just being clear on that I think yeah it's important. Um I th I'm, I'm I informed that away games for example you can't you can't check cards Exactly. So that's a, that's a big thing, right? How do you get 11 players if you've got loads of juniors and, and people that yeah tend to car share and things like that? It's, it's important to, to be in the know. Yeah, ditto. Very similar to Ankit. Just trying to work around, you know, what the regs are up until the 17th of May and then sort of working out where we can go from that point onwards. But yeah, it's just been trying to, you know, factor that in in terms of making people aware, giving them enough, enough information to, to make sure that they can get the most out of their weekends and training and all that kind of stuff. I just want to shout on. one good thing that we've done and um, credit to Harrow is just the communication, the communication between clubs before the game, just to make sure everyone's clear on protocol and guidelines for this respective club. So where clubs are multi-sports, so we've got tennis and similar to, to Johan at Highgate, we've got other sports going on just to make sure that everyone's clear. The, the clubhouse will no doubt have separate rules. So just make sure that you try to communicate with all the other clubs you're playing with. Yeah. Sounds sensible to me. Um, Talking of communication, worth uh, noting, Nick also mentioned that clubs need to now update the county league website. So if your captains have changed at any level, first team, 15, 16, 17 for, for Johan in 18 months' time, um, then the information needs to be updated by you. There's no way Paul Smith can update all of the information on the website all the time. If you're not sure how to do it, then ask Paul Smith. Um, but, but that information needs to be correct because, of course, it's the information that, that gets used. Um, there's also been quite a few communiques coming around from Nick, understandably, about, about tees, about invoices for, um, you know, for, for match balls. Do make sure that, that y you answer those because the league needs to know what you think about these things. And if there's any doubts, then drop Nick Brown a line or Paul Smith a line or the relevant person uh, to make sure that come 8th of May all, all the relevant ducks are in order. Last point. Uh, and Paul Smith's already been telling people about this quite legitimately, so don't leave registering players to the last minute, because if anything goes wrong, you're not going to have any time to put it right, and um, there's no way that, uh, that, that, that rules are going to be bent because you've got around to you know, doing this at the last minute, that's not going to work. So um, again, get those, get those registrations in nice and early, as I'm sure Ankit's done, I'm sure Johan's done, I'm sure Sal's done, all fine, but there's always some folks who, who do leave things at the last minute, and I, in my experience, it's not, not the best way to go on this one, because it could end up um, getting a bit messy. With that in mind, folks, thanks very much for coming on board this evening. It's been great having you here. I don't know if you want to, uh, uh, any final words, Sal, anything that you want to, want to run by us? I think Yaron wants to mention something, because um, we mentioned the Blyson family, and you know, as members of the club, we hasn't really sort of uh, mentioned, so I think I'll leave it to him before we finish off. Yeah, you, um, yeah, Sal obviously asked me about Steve and Billy, but I probably didn't mention that. Danny and Zoe as well, so I probably they'll probably feel a little hard done by if I don't mention them and their contribution to the club. You know, Zoe coming in off the pitch, you know, helping with helping with team scoring regularly and being around the club, um, as well as Danny, who along with Billy will have a fantastic career at first eleven level and hopefully might play a few games this year. So I think it's also important in answering that question. Although you made me choose between Steve and Billy, recognizing everyone everyone involved in that family and their contribution to the club. Yeah, if anyone's going to have a go at Johan yeah. for that question, then you, you don't have a go at Johan. It's a, it's a horrific question. It's Sal and me. We, we, we can take it. We're big boys. Let us know how unfair the question was. Um, it's not Johan's fault he had to answer it. So, um, Johan, we appreciate the can. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm, just, I'm a politician. Mate. I've, got to, I've got to make sure. All good. Ankit, any, any final words you want to throw in? No, just uh, I should have mentioned it earlier, but it's a big year for Kenton. It's our 100th year, so, so uh, there'll be some big uh, big... Uh, celebrations when things allow hopefully towards the end of the season so yeah very proud to be the chairman of the club uh, um, at this big milestone so yeah hopefully we we use that moment, uh, as momentum to kick on to, to the successful season so yeah uh, but just a big thank you for having me on um, it's been great it's been a pleasure to speak to you all
Well, thanks for coming. Oh, I'm going to just ask you a couple of questions about that very quickly, though, Ankit. So, what are you planning? I guess a number of games to, to celebrate Kenton's history, right? Is that... Yeah, we'll hopefully um, we've got some plans in place for for August. Um, get some old members down, have a couple of matches to celebrate. Uh, if we can have something a bit more formal, then then we'll do that as well. But um, we're we've got a few dates in mind. We're just going to see what 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 we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do, and just make it a memorable one. Sounds fantastic. 100 years is, is, is a pretty important milestone. So I hope, it, I hope it all goes well. I'm sure it will. Folks, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. Um, we will be back hopefully next week, Sal Wright, um, with a, with a pre-season preview. Yep. Is that, is that the right phrase? With a preview of the season yep. that's forthcoming. And then after that, we'll be trying to do that's more correct. or less every week with, with um, discussions of what's happened. It's always great to talk about cricket that's, that's happening around us. So um, the, the podcast will keep on coming. Do listen in. Any comments or criticisms, we're all open to them. Just, um, just let us know through the usual channels. So thanks again, folks. Much appreciated. Cheers, Ankit. Cheers, Yaron. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.